0: Hey, I'm Hans van Gent. I'm the creator of Inbound Rocket, and welcome to the App Guy Podcast.
1: The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. This is the show where we help entrepreneurial. Uh, people, app founders, startup founders to help you in your entrepreneurial journey. To do that, I get some amazing guests from around the world. And today I have the managing director of Firebox. He is Christian Bromley. And uh, he's actually also uh, they're working on a new app, which is why it's relevant as well. So Christian, welcome to the App Guy podcast.
0: Hi there. Hi, Paul. How are we? I'm
1: very, very good. And uh, well, first of all, it's just great to hear your story. I'd love to know um, like how long you've been at Firebox, and what it is you get up to at Firebox?
0: Of course, yeah, I'm I'm institutionalized. I've been here for thirteen years, so we've been around for seventeen, although uh, on web only. And obviously, we're still young at heart. But I have been. I started in customer services and then worked my way through the company. And about three or four years ago, I became managing director, and in in charge of all that we do now. I guess. So uh, yeah it's been a nice I've I've kind of seen all levels of the company and understand hopefully the brand as, as well as anyone just through osmosis. Yeah just to give people an idea of the brand I mean everyone now listening
1: should go to firebox.com check it out. I think some of the products are the most amazing products that you'll find. You you your tagline is shop for the unusual. What what does yes. firebox mean to you?
0: Um well we've actually gone through a few taglines trying to get kind of get where we are because I do like changing taglines which I'm sure infuriates some of our guys um so we've been through the coolest things you can buy which is a bit too subjective our the other one we really like is not for everyone which i think encapsulates our brand voice and our products and some of the products are a little bit risque so therefore that kind of makes sense there as well the idea that it's okay not to like our stuff we don't necessarily want to appeal, we obviously don't want to appeal to everybody i think we've we want to attract like-minded people with the same sense of humor that we've got and the same outlook on life same world view which is being a bit unusual, really. So the shop for the unusual is our, is our current incarnation and, and the one that we're going to stick with because I think it, it, it's kind of got some nice little bits of um, different meaning, basically. So the idea is that you're unusual because you're shopping on Firebox. The people you're buying for are a bit unusual because of the products that we sell and the products themselves are unusual because they're not running the mill and they're not available everywhere and they're a, bit, uh, they're a bit kind of left field and a bit irreverent.
1: This is going to be hard, but what is your favorite product you think you've discovered and, and bought on Firebox?
0: Uh, well, I really like our pop culture stuff. So I'm, as I say, I'm a bit, I'm in my 30s now. So I don't know how old the the audience of, of entrepreneurs are, but you do get to be this old and still kind of hang around in, in tech. And I really like our, we do, we do like a, some of our own brand products that we do. We've done, it's not the biggest seller we do, but we did an American Psycho uh, uh, card holder. Which is like kind of—I don't know if you've seen American Psycho, but there's a really famous scene where he's—they're all trying to cockfight with each other about who's got the coolest business card—and it's all about the kind of pedantic nature of that—and it just makes me laugh every time I see it. And we did a really, really good job with the image and the and the, on the product page, and there's loads of like little Easter eggs on there and quotes. So I like that. We also do a Kobayashi mug out of Usual Suspects. Um, we do a Back to the Future um, a, a sort of iPad case, which is the. Um, the almanac. I kind of like geeky, more kind of secondary film references and things like that. But to be honest, most of the stuff that we sell I really, really, really like. There are a few things I'm I've perhaps we've had them on the site for a bit longer and I'm not so kind of excited about anymore. I still think they're great when you see them for the first time. But yeah, we've got BB eight, which is a Star Wars kind of hero that we've got this year. We've got some really cool number one product at the moment is again one of our own things, which is the Unicorn Tears Gin Liqueur, which is a gin liqueur. <laughs> made out of the made out of the tears of unicorns, free free range unicorns. We've battered them to death with some paddles, and um, their tears have been collected into a salty salty mixture. Strain out the salt, put some kind of glitter in there, and it's a lovely gin liqueur. You know, I think what one, one of the things we could learn from you in this, because this is to help out others
1: that maybe are at an earlier stage of their startup and their entrepreneurial journey, is that you mentioned about attracting like-minded individuals how, how do you how important do you think that is mm. in a business to attract like-minded individuals to your proposition
0: um I, vital i suppose I, I don't know if it's i think it's twofold for us one is because it's it fits what we think the brand represents and the kind of core values and it being shareable and not taking itself too seriously and obviously you want to find people who dig what you're doing and kind of buy into what you're doing but also for me personally I've no interest in kind of selling stuff that's or selling you know I've no interest in working in a company that I don't really believe in its products. Uh, I don't know I think it's pretty hard to to start a business and kind of only have a passing interest in your products or not be really passionate about your products. If you're not passionate about what you're selling even if the best salesman in the world or best PR person in the world you're never really going to to do it justice, because you just don't feel the love for it deep down, really. So our products are more of a. It's a bit of a. It's a, almost that our products are a reflection of who we are and all the people within the company. So it's our sense of humour. It's it's you know, it's through, it's through our outlooks and our likes and our mucking about and all that kind of stuff that we that we think the vibe of the, um, the site is kind of strongest. So therefore, the products are like an extension of that.
1: I'm almost going to appeal to everyone listening now to look at their products, their apps, their services, uh, their their website, and just ask themselves, does it actually represent maybe who they are? Uh, I think that's what I'm learning yeah. from
0: me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Especially when you're, obviously, when you're starting up, you're going to have to network and you're going to have to believe in your products. You're going to have to convince other people that it's something worth being kind of, you know, wowed by or interested in and if you can't do that then you've i I can't see how it's going to work really if you can't enthuse about your products and if you don't live the brand then you're going to kind of let yourself down
1: so the other story I would like to pick up on is that you did join 13 years ago and it was it, a lot when I was, smaller. When I was 10,
0: 10 <laughs> right. years old. 10 years old when I joined, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just wondered,
1: what, what's it like to... I mean, can you remember the early story of Firebox? You must have um, joined yeah. at a very, uh, sm- you know, like the early development stage. And what, what was it like back then?
0: Well, but even pre-me, so I joined in 2002 when I was pretty much out of university um, but the guys who started it, who are still the, the, the founders and the, and the co-owners of the company, Michael and Tom, they started in Tom's attic. So they built one product. Um, the internet was still very, you know, early. I think we're actually older than Amazon.co.uk and Google, I believe, which is mind-blowingly odd. Um, they're sl- they've, they've slightly grown a bit more um, impressively than us, potentially, but at least we're at least we're at least we're true to ourselves. Um, yeah, so they started in the bedroom, and that kind of it was it was the success of one product they they invented a product called a shot glass chess set so the idea is the more you vi- the more you take the other person's pieces the more you have to do a shot of alcohol and therefore it levels the playing field because you're pissed and the other person can then take advantage of your <laughs> yeah. your your erratic moves so that was their invention and on the back of that we kind of we had a bit of success in mail order. And then we started, obviously, then getting a few more products to support that. Then he build a range. Then we had the website. We were originally called hotbox.co.uk, which at the time was a good idea, but it seemed like it was a bit short sighted because there was a hotbox.com, which was a very successful porn site. So <laughs> okay. we were, so Michael and Tom were getting family members to put money into the company to obviously give them a bit of capital at the beginning. And then the, the family members were then telling friends about it to go, hey, go to hotbox.co.uk and look at my son's site. And then people were just getting hotbox.com, and I think they were probably getting the wrong idea. <laughs> right. uh, um, little, did, I mean, arguably, we could have stayed with porn, because it was a, you know, it's been a highly successful um, uh, part <laughs> of the internet. But uh, we weren't that. So we changed it to firebox.com. And then that was in about '99, I think, and I joined in 2002. And yeah, we were only about 10, 12 people at the time. We've grown to sort of 35, 40 now. At Christmas, we we ramp up and we're 50, 60, 70 people, thanks to the kind of demand and, and therefore farming to scale up. But off peak, yeah, we're about 35 people, and it's been astonishing, really. The kind of every year we've we've the the thing which is important for. Your listeners may be, is you've, we've never really had outside investment. We do have some outside investment, but mostly it's still controlled by um, the co owners and the co founders. And I really do believe that keeping hold of that kind of controlling stake is what's allowed us to thrive and grow. I think there's a lot of, I think everybody's looking to try and cash out or to try and get investor funding or VC, but you've got to be very careful that you're getting the right person because otherwise you can completely lose control of your vision and you can, you know, you've got a lot of outside pressures then. So the more you can organically grow and obviously any money you make put straight back into the company the next year, that's how we've done it and we've managed to grow and grow each year and obviously to where we are right now. But it's tempting to obviously try and get some capital because it's very important, but you've got to be careful about how much your kind of stake you're giving away or what control or, or, you know. There are some nice people out there in the VC world, I'm sure, but most of them are are self-interested, which is fair enough, it's their money but you've got to be careful about who you get in bed with right okay
1: i love how you bring that round. and uh, and you've also mentioned that you know when you joined uh you were coming out of university i'm guessing it you could still call it a startup in 2002 Um, yeah uh, what advice there's a lot of people listening to this who are leaving university who are thinking about careers and wanting to join a startup would you recommend going down and joining, a, like the startup route, and, and maybe joining or becoming a startup.
0: Yeah, I don't know, we're, we're in the Silicon, sorry, no, where are the Tech Roundabout, and the, I think we've, I can't remember what the London version of the Silicon, I think it's called the Silicon Roundabout, in fact, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I
1: was actually just down there, it's amazing, it's so cool and chic, and it's
0: just great. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's very boutique-y, and there's very kind of, it's it's an amazing world. Like I said, I've been in this company for for a very long time, and in the industry of retail and e-commerce, and obviously, the kind of rise of of smartphones and virtually all your time is spent on your phone now that it's very Moorish to try and obviously tap into that, and that's where all startups generally kind of obviously are going into the idea of it being a mobile or a mobile app or a mobile site which can kind of you know take advantage of that or a social site or some software service. It's a very competitive playing field. It's very, very competitive, and I, I don't know I don't know if it's quite the same as the you know, the American Silicon Valley, I'm not really sure how it works here in terms of startups and and um, what the risks are or, or anything else. I think there's a lot of people who obviously want to gain a lot of experience and startup is a very, very fast way to, usually anyway, is a fast way to learn because it's very... Um, erratic and up and down and obviously dependent upon so many little factors but because we're a bit more of a solid business now I wouldn't I'm not sure we, we like you said earlier it was we where a startup at the beginning but because we're a lot bigger now I'm not sure about the risks at the, at the kind of smaller end I think if you can pitch your lot in with people who've got great vision and you're adequately motivated and kind of you know incentivized then it's fantastic who wouldn't want to be involved it's very exciting but I do know obviously that it's a very um it's not as simple as just finding a startup and becoming a becoming a success. Yeah, because I also think as well that
1: uh, when you actually joined, you, you do believe in the product, you do believe in the, the ethos and the vision of the founders. And mm. also, I'm guessing as well, it's uh, slightly easier to become managing director of a team of, you know, 40-ish than if you're going to join a, a company, a corporation like Microsoft or Google or Facebook, where the, the chances of you actually getting onto the board are probably quite slim.
0: Yeah, we, we've actually had this good point. We've had some people um, join us from a more corporate background, so from Amazon or Play or uh, in Google, actually, they've, they've come back and forth and we've had people kind of perched by Google. But I would, I think you're right. I think ultimately they are behemoths of companies and I'm sure they're very exciting, but you are very much in a rigid structure. And yeah, you're right. You're never going to, it's unlikely they're ever going to kind of organically rise to the top. It's going to take forever or it's just not going to happen. Whereas if you are at a startup, and especially even with us, even as being quite kind of, you know, seasoned now, the people who come in and are successes at our company are the same type of people who would be a success at a startup. They're the people who are passionate, who... Th- terrible cliche to think outside the box but it is about it's about passion really and if you if you've got the passion for it and you don't treat it as a nine to five and you're constantly questioning things and you're not kind of taking the status quo for for um you know just because that's the way it's been done should it should be there for forever it's not at all i think you've got to have a curiosity and a passion to learn and, and that kind of things and if you are that type of person. I think you'll succeed wherever you are, but you are right. I think the, the more opportunities are probably in a um fledgling company rather than going into a huge company. Although huge companies have the benefits and they have safety and they have still great learnings and they've got great corporate cultures if if you can get into one. But there yeah, it's a different kind of mindset if you're a if you're obviously young enough and kind of fancy free and not perhaps have the quite the same um have the same uh, uh, responsibilities maybe that you can go and just start join a company which may succeed and may fail spectacularly, then it's great. It's, you know, a bit of wars, a bit of scars. It's nothing <laughs> better than a bit of um, experience. So there's two more things we need to do before we say goodbye, Christian. One is
1: that we, we love to try and figure out what your pain points are, what your frustrations are in business, because by learning that, then there may be potential solutions that we can build on the back of it that could lead us to ideas. So I'm thinking as managing director of Firebox, you know, what are the biggest pain points you're up against
0: right now as you think about your business? Um, I'm sure they're very applicable to virtually all startups and that's that's growing really. When you grow, you encounter things that you perhaps wouldn't realize. Obviously, you know this, the idea of growth and scaling up sounds quite exciting and quite daunting. But it is a lot of moving from a kind of unstructured and anything goes type of vibe and culture into a little bit more structured is can be quite scary and it can be kind of challenging for for the structure of your company and reporting and and all the rest of it and making sure nothing's kind of slips through the cracks. So the idea of scaling up and growing is always a pain point for any company, whether it's a startup or anything. Um, The other thing is I'm quite good at having new ideas, whereas if you kind of if I could give myself some advice a few years ago, I think I would have said drill down more on a couple of core core ideas and core priorities rather than spreading yourself too thinly. If it's very more it's very Moorish to start on something new or the novelty of an of a new idea, but actually the the ideas you've had probably before have not been kind of fully mapped out or actually fully uh, realised yet. So jumping to another idea when you've not you've not done the kind of um, when you've not nailed the first idea is it's too easy to do. And actually doing that, I think you're probably, you're fooling yourself a little bit. So I think that's a a real challenge is to actually keep going at the core of what your business is about and not trying to diversify and pivot away too quickly until you fully realise where you're, you know, where the kind of um, benefits of what your original dream was. Yeah, you've actually hit on
1: one of the core problems of most uh, startups, app entrepreneurs, is the discoverability, getting attention, and Mm. growing as well in terms of uh, of customers and audience and downloads. Uh, So, uh, you know, the other thing, this is a show about apps, and we'd love to know uh, one or two apps that you may be able to recommend to us. And, um, you know, given that you're there in Silicon Roundabout, uh, I wondered if you have uh, your phone handy and whether you do have an app that you could
0: recommend to us. Um, Well, I mean, I don't want to be too... um nepotistic but our michael our co-founder uh who who has left the company a while ago he's still on the board but he left the company to make moshi monsters and mind candy and other successful com- uh, uh, companies he's also got an app which i listen to which is called calm which is very similar to headspace in the um meditation basically so it's guided meditations and it's it's a um very very moorish app and obviously meditation and mindfulness is incredibly hip incredibly hip Paul we all need to take a step back and we all need to uh, give ourselves a little bit of um, peace and balance but Calm is a really great great, um, app I really love um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Habitica it used to be called Habit RPG and it's like a role playing (laughs) it's a bit nerdy but it's like a role playing game for your to-do list and your daily habits and that kind of thing That's great. And obviously, if I'm going to be really talking about our own things, we've got Grammography, which is our um, website, which isn't quite an app yet. But if you go to Grammography.com, it's a really, really, really cool experience. If you log in with your Instagram um, account, you can see all your products magically. Your pictures appear all over the products and it's a really cool, immersive experience. And obviously, I mean, I go to firebox.com. Next year, we'll be building our own app and it'll be a cool experience. But right now, it's a lovely responsive site on mobile. So it's, it's you know, very Moorish.
1: Yeah, and actually, one of the things that uh, I know we'll be talking about next year is the Gramography app as well. Yes. And your journey with that. And as you, uh, how, how is the build going for Grammography? Do, do you have any challenges with regards to um, the development uh, that you could talk through
0: or? Uh, it's, it's more of a the UX and the tech guys looking at that, but I do know that there are, in the early stages, I think there's a paralysis of choice, isn't there? And, and I don't quite know the exact kind of um, software they'll be using or the systems they'll be using. But I know that it's, a lot of early stuff is basically research about making sure we kind of choose and pick the best, most flexible um, format for, for the app, really. So I think there's a little bit of investigation really now. And then the UX and all the kind of brand and positioning kind of fall on top of that. But until then, I think it's getting the foundations right because it seems like you're sometimes procrastinating by, you know, comparing and contrasting and never getting anywhere. But I do think that you really do need to make sure you put the um, the research in at the beginning so you're on sound foundations. Otherwise, you're kind of building on top of a house of cards.
1: Well, I will put show notes um, uh, for links uh, on episode 395 at the AppGuy.co uh, so for you, those listening, the apps to try to listen to this, just go to episode 395 with Christian Bromley and uh, you'll be able to get links to all those apps. And Christian, how best can people reach out to you or Firebox? What's the best way of getting in touch?
0: Uh, well, obviously, firebox.com. We've got, a lo- we've got a lovely, beautiful, sexy customer service team that are always on on hand and they're good fun. And we've got live chat as well. So you can come and have a chat with us. Although the, the the guys in charge of that are a little bit obsessed with cat pictures, which is obviously you know a bit old school now. Um, oh, sorry, some noise just happened. Then sorry. Um, and then we've got our Twitter accounts, got a Facebook page, the usual social channels we're always available on. We like people to come and muck about with us really and talk. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and obviously, sorry. Yeah, I'm I, 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 not blowing my own trumpet, but also you can look at me and, and laugh at me and love me and comment on me. And I will comment back, even if it's abusive, on our YouTube channel, which is forward slash firebox. And then we, we do like mad videos. We're just about to post the top five unicorn gifts and you will see how incredibly lo-fi and pathetic our presenting skills are. <laughs> pathetic in a good way, not pathetic in a pathetic way. <laughs> P- path- pathetic in
1: a getting noticed way.
0: Yeah, pathetically great. Christian, this has been great.
1: I loved uh, having a chat with you through your journey at Firebox. Thank you very much. It's um, great
0: to to speak to you and obviously get to kind of, if at all, help anybody else listening. So
1: thank you for listening to this episode. Let me know what you think to this format. I'd love to get your feedback. You can get in touch with me through the appguy.co. There's a contact form there. Or you can email me, paul at the appguy.co, paul at the appguy.co. Twitter, Paul underscore S underscore Kemp. I'd love to hear your feedback on this specific episode and what you thought to the format. And also just to let you know that it is getting very close to Christmas and I am taking a break. I'm be taking a break for two weeks. And uh, just to warn you that there will be a pause in the podcasting. I'm going to take time off. I figured that, you know, there's a lot of episodes and you could always go back and listen to some previous episodes, get some good value, or I've just recently put onto iTunes the uh, archived episodes one through to 100, and you can start working your way through that. Uh, to subscribe, you can just go to um, the appguide.co and you'll see the archive tab, or you can go and search. For the App Guy podcast or Paul Kemp, usually better to do Paul Kemp, and you'll see uh, the App Guy podcast archives part one, which is one to 100, episodes one to 100. Thank you very much for listening to this announcement, and I look forward to getting some more episodes to you this week. Bye for now.